Former Edmontonian Rob Fry joins us now, a CFL player agent with uh, Gil Scott Sports uh, out of Ottawa now. First off, Rob, uh, thanks for your time today. Maybe just to get a little introduction to you, tell me how long you've been doing this and uh, how you, much you enjoy it. Yeah, well, first off, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate uh, having the opportunity to, to chat football with you. Um, I, I broke into the business pretty early on, uh, right after I graduated uh, university with my marketing degree. Um, started to uh, recruit football players, thinking that this could be an avenue for me that uh, that I would enjoy. Um, my first clients were guys that were high school buddies of mine that just went on to play pro football and decided to take a chance on me. They they weren't necessarily the highest touted players coming out of college, um, so we're willing to give a young guy with no experience a chance. And uh, thankfully, um, it worked out well. My my first client was uh, Rory Kohler to played over a hundred games in the CFL. Um, that was a lot of fun to grow with him together as childhood friends and be able to kind of learn through experience with, um, with a guy that trusted me and understood sort of how green I was uh, getting started. Um, so now it's, uh, it's just about been 15 years uh, that I've been working alongside uh, Gil Scott, a good friend of mine and colleague. Um, Obviously, we, we do a lot of work with uh, football players out of Canada and uh, that come in from the States into the CFL and, and NFL. And uh, Gil and I also work uh, in tandem with uh, football coaches and hockey coaches as well. So it's uh, sort of a nice, diverse portfolio. And um, like that, the two sports sort of have opposite seasons. So makes for uh, you know a busy February as we have going on right now in the CFL and NFL upcoming and then. In, in June is when we get a little bit busier with our hockey coach contracts expiring. Yeah. You said hockey coaches. Do you have any hockey players? Uh, no, no, we just do, um, just do hockey coaches. The NHL has a rule in place through the NHL PA that uh, you have to be on one side of the table or the other. So um, can't do both. So we, we found that uh, there's a nice niche to, to work with coaches and it's been, been very enjoyable. Excellent. All right. Uh, and you spent some time in Edmonton working for the soccer team. You told me. Yeah, my, my first job out of uh, school, I was uh, my university basketball coach was uh, became the GM for the, the semi-pro soccer team at Edmonton. And uh, he offered me an internship. He knew I wanted to get working in, in pro sports some way, shape or form. So, uh, yeah, he hired me, pulled me out of Saskatchewan to uh, get my hands in on a little bit of everything. I did um, uh, sales, ticket sales, corporate sales, merchandise, um, game day operations. Helped out uh, the equipment manager. Just it was, it was a really good opportunity for me to, to get some experience as I started to build uh, my agent uh, portfolio on the side. It was, it was great. I enjoyed living in Edmonton. Um, have a lot of players that you know make the decision to go out to Edmonton and, and play there, and I have nothing but but awesome things to say about the the town. It's a great sports city, great place to raise a family. Yeah. All right. So now you're a full-time agent. Give me a day in the life of a full-time agent. Obviously it changes from, from month to month. And as you said, now you're busy, but give me kind of the, the, the Coles notes on, on an agent's responsibility, not just getting the contract signed, but I know there's other things you look after for your clients as well. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, um, I, I would say it would be similar to um, other services out there. Um, you know, financial advisor type, partnership with, with that they have with clients. It, it's really just um, developing a, a quality relationship with, with our clients and anything that can come with the day-to-day, um, we work through together. Um, in a 
pretty well football specific or hockey coaching specific manner. Um, you know, at times when the players are playing football in season, it, it will be more of um, uh, a process where we're just on the day-to-day following what's happening. Um, if injuries come up, um, if there's situations where maybe trades come up or a player gets released from their team, or maybe gets asked to go down the practice roster, you know, those would be day-to-day engagements we would have in terms of making decisions together. Um, Obviously the off season can be busy when players contracts expire, Um, just working through making decisions together on, on either re-signing with their club or exploring other opportunities. Um, And then there's just the, the sort of vague component of just having a friendship and doing life together and mentoring um, you know, players, I'm now a little bit older than when I was, when I started, where it was more of a peer to peer relationship. Now it's, you know, I'm sort of a, almost a generation older than the, the young guys coming in. So, uh, mentorship and, and education on the business and how to be a professional, uh, that's something I take a lot of pride in and, and really enjoy. That's probably the most fulfilling, uh, thing of the part of the job is, is that relationship and mentorship. We're talking with Rob Fry of uh, Gil Scott Sports, a CFL, NFL player agent. And this is obviously a busy time for you right now. The CFL negotiation window opened up uh, last Sunday and it goes until tomorrow at noon Eastern time. What has the week been like for you so far? Yeah, it, it's been uh, it's been steady. There's been a lot of communicating with uh, the different general managers across the league, assistant general managers, sometimes coaches, coaches, whether it be coordinators or head coaches, um, and, and really information gathering right off the bat. It, it's a lot of info, info gathering and getting clients up to speed on what, what the, the picture really looks like. Um, in advance of the tampering window, you have an idea of what the picture could look like um, based on patterns, based on looking at rosters, um, looking at teams' needs, um, but once you get into the, the negotiation window, things can become more clear. And then it's just sort of uh, navigating player expectations, making sure players are understanding yeah, the, the clear picture and, and living in what's reality so that they can make a good decision that's sound for their football career and their families. And, and then just uh, eventually, as it comes, getting into contract negotiations um, and uh, choosing the right team for the player. The window opened up to, uh, at noon Eastern time on Sunday. What was it like the first couple of minutes? I envision teams phoning agents of the top free agents right away and trying to be the first one in to make conversations. Uh, who initiates most of the calls? Uh, or is it, uh, you know, some of each, the, the agents calling and, and the teams are calling? I think it's a little bit of a balance, but but very early in the stage would be the teams first. Um it's not what one would expect from the outside that it would just be this massive, uh, quick free for all. Um, it has been like that in the past before this tampering window has been instituted. Um, in the prior days, it, I think things moved a lot quicker. There was a lot more urgency for teams to make decisions quickly on players and agents to act quickly as well. This has drawn out the process more. Um, it sort of does have a component of just this being free agency. Um, but it is a slower process. Teams come out of the gates right away and um, identify top players they want to go after. And then that ties up their money. Um, you know, as we go into the negotiation window, most, most teams are close to their maximum cap spending already. Uh, not all of them, especially teams that are 
you know, maybe were lower in the standings and are looking to, to have more turnover in the roster. Um, but it, it's a slower process because you can only tie up so many dollars and wait for a decision from the player and his agent. So, you know, I would say right off the start, I, I bet you it was somewhere between five to 10 players that had significant interest on day one. And deals don't get done right away. Most often, the player and the agent take time to navigate the, the waters, and, and it takes time. So that, that holds up teams in terms of money allocated um, and, and pushes you know, the next crop of players in priority off for a little while. So, so I would say there, there's a lot of really good football players that have been starters in the league that you know, haven't been offered contracts. Uh, by day two or day three and that doesn't mean they won't get good contracts it's just uh sort of a pecking order and working through their their cap and offers that are out and we did see a few guys early in the week monday and tuesday um, rumors started and reports came out that some players and teams yeah. had agreed already so i guess there is a little bit of jockeying to get there first but you still have that whole week to negotiate for sure um case by case i i think that they're can can come a time where it makes sense for both parties to just let's let's agree on this we're good player feels confident that um he's exhausted the opportunities and and is very comfortable with the number and the team it's beneficial for the team to to commit in advance as well because then they they know that money is accounted for we're good at that position we can keep moving and not have money tied up and and be sort of uh held in limbo so it, it can be a good thing for both parties to commit early yeah all right, you talked about the start of it and how there's a few phone calls. What about the end of it as we get close to when the negotiation window closes? Is there a scramble to make one last pitch or to get a little extra money or something else from, from other teams? Is that is that last couple, three hours before you have to shut it down? Is that is that pretty busy? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, it will be a different pace um, for players who haven't committed. Um, it's just sort of, again, case by case. If a player hasn't received the interest that maybe they, they had been hoping for, um, then it's, it's, it's getting creative, approaching teams where maybe there is a fit and we can kind of work towards a value deal that can be win-win for the team and the player. Um, you're always sort of look, talk, staying engaged with the GMs and understanding their needs, understanding their cap situation and, and where they want to allocate money and always trying to put players in the best position you can, uh, no matter where you are in the tampering window. But it, it changes. It has ebbs and flows of urgency versus non-urgency. So just staying engaged on it on the day-to-day. I think it's been five or six years since uh, the negotiation window opened up and, and that became a part of, of free agency. Has it helped from your standpoint? Um, that's a good question. Um, I've tossed and turned on it. it it's... Uh, I can't think of actually right now off the top of my head the year it started, but it's only been a couple of years, actually. Um, there's uh, there's pros and cons from, from the player side. Um, and, and, and as an agent, um, I do feel like the prior process um, could speed things up with just the certain levels of uncertainty. Um, from a team side, they may be more in, inclined to speed up a process and commit financially to players a little bit sooner maybe willing to pay a little bit more just for the peace of mind, knowing I'm getting that player and not uh, running into the risk of not getting a guy at that particular you know position of need. Whereas now I, I find that it's a little bit longer process. It's a little bit more uh, transparent of a process from the team side, which allows them to be a little bit more patient. 
Um, so, so I think it's um, beneficial for both parties that the communication can be well streamlined and above board. But I do find that perhaps the players get a, have a little bit less leverage in a sense that it's a longer process and there's less um, jockeying with uncertainty. Um, so I find if a player did have leverage, they may have more leverage in the prior way of doing things because of the uncertainty from a team standpoint and, and maybe a bit of an urgency to make a decision quick. Okay, I got to ask you, uh, is it easier to work out a deal with some teams and other teams? Is, are there teams out there that are, are tougher to negotiate than others? And feel free to mention them if you want, but if you don't want to, that's fine too. <laughs> uh, good question. Um, I, uh, I enjoy the different personalities and the different negotiating styles. Um, you know, that's, that's like life, like doing business with different personalities and guys that see things differently. Um, you get to know them over the years and you become more comfortable with their style um, and their philosophies. It's a big part of just how they operate. Some, some GMs have philosophies where they um, are all about paying at a certain position, whereas another GM might see it another way and, and doesn't believe that that's the way to, to build a team, paying at that position. So that there's mixed philosophies, personalities. Um, I just love what what how uh, every day is a little bit different. And all the situations are different. Um, there's nobody that I I don't enjoy collaborating with. It's just different for each each person. But uh, that's my job is to be able to relate well to to different personalities and um, you know at the end of the day make it all about the, the player um, achieving uh, his goals and, and and getting them in the best situation. Uh, I. I, I... You could correct me if I'm wrong on this or not even comment on it if you want to. From an Edmonton perspective, I picture Chris Jones and G. Roy Simon working together. They make the decision. They want to go after this guy. Chris Jones may make a phone call, but I'm guessing most of the work, if you're talking to the Elks, you're talking to G. Roy Simon to get the nuts and bolts of it done? Yeah, you nailed it. That, that's exactly how, how it usually goes. Chris and, uh, and G. Roy, uh, I'm sure they spend a lot of time on the phone. Um, on the day to day, and they're always on the same page. And uh, yeah, oftentimes I'll I'll talk to Chris first about a player, and then you know Chris might might say yes, we're we're a go on this. Uh, G Ray will reach out to you, and we'll G Ray will uh, predominantly negotiate almost every contract I believe on that team. So he does a great job, very professional, and um, yeah, enjoy enjoy dealing with that team. Question for you now. You got a player who's a, who's a pending free agent. Uh, you're before the negotiation window opens up. Is it easier or more difficult to get an extension or to sign with another team as a as a free agent? Which process is is more difficult? Well, it depends on um, the player's nationality. Depends on the player's age. There's so many variables that come into play on every every situation. Um, depends on what, where that team is at in terms of how they built their roster, how much depth do they have behind that player. Um, you know, I can think of just so many variables that come into play. It's hard to say one or the other. Um, it, it really is a case by case in, in all these situations. It's hard to um, paint them all with the same brush, but you have to go off feel. You have to be very calculated if you're going to make a decision to go to the window uh, because that comes with risk potentially of, of your current team moving on. So it, it's sort of a dance together with the player, the general manager, the coach or the, the agent and the coaching staff. And um, yeah, it, it really uh, requires um, 
preparation and an understanding of the market before you just make a decision on a whim. I'm going to go to the market. Well, you better be prepared to go to the market and have a good real expectation of what it could look like. Indeed, it changes from team to team and year to year and player to player, obviously. Okay, I want to ask you something about a a thing that comes up every year in the Canadian Football League. In the next 10 days, you're going to negotiate contracts. So some of them are going to be two-year contracts and some of those contracts are going to have a nice big bonus set for February the 15th or January the 15th or February the 1st. And one of those players is going to get the money and one of those players is going to get released because of that bonus. Now, it's, it's kind of weird because going into this, both teams, both sides agree on the contract, but the team agrees in the contract knowing they may release the guy because of the bonus in a year's time. And the player goes into it knowing that I'm going to get the bonus, but I may get released the day before the bonus is due. Walk me through that process and why that clause in contracts is still there and why it's important maybe for both teams and players. Yeah. 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 I I would, I would say that um, there's been a desire in this, from the player standpoint to, and the club standpoint, to push for longer term deals. There's so much turnover in the CFL. And I think that that's a frustrating component from a fan base standpoint. You know, every year there's so much roster turnover. Um, as an agent and as on the player side, you know, players want to have long term deals. But as you've stated, you know, none of this money for the most part is guaranteed on the second year. Football contracts don't have guaranteed components. Until recently, if a player extends with his current club, there's an opportunity to negotiate in guaranteed money, which we're still seeing players get released after having, you know, guaranteed money. Case in point, you know, Taylor Cornelius this year with with Edmonton. Um, It's partly just the reality of the football business. Um, in comparison to hockey, baseball, basketball, where everything is guaranteed in the contract. Football is such a year-to-year thing. Um, Injuries happen. Players uh, lose their starting jobs. Teams make a a change of mind on how they're going to, you know, attack the ratio. So that's what leads to these decisions happening. Now, from a player standpoint, um, we are very much not inclined to do a multi-year deal if the team won't put a bonus in their contract that takes hit before free agency. The the purpose behind it is, okay, if you're going to commit a second year to the player, we need to have a bonus so that you have to make a decision on the player and pay him that money prior to going through free agency and exploring other options. Because the last thing you want to have is a player get released after free agency and all the dollars have been allocated. So, so that's why we, we put those, you know, January 15th, February 1st bonuses into players' contracts so that we can protect the player from being released after everything's been spent and and then they're in a tough situation. And if you make the date January 15th and the player gets released, that gives him a jump on free agency, right? He can go out and get those dollars before everybody else can. And I know just from an Elks perspective, thinking back to last year, that's how they got two of their best players. Luchas Purifoy gets released in BC and the Elks sign him beforehand. Same thing with AC Leonard. Uh, He gets released. They sign him beforehand as well. So it's good for the players, even though it looks like the team's playing dirty pool sometimes. Absolutely. Yep. I understand it from the, from the team side. Um, They're doing their best to make football decisions that that benefit their club. Um, But with that being said, it is important for players to cover their bases so that, it's as if they did a one-year deal. 
but they get a head start on free agency. So that's the way to look at it. You see a player get released. Players need to know that nothing is guaranteed in, in football from a salary component unless they have a guarantee clause, which not many do in the CFL currently. Um, so they, they need to understand that and um, look at it like, well, it's as if I did a one-year deal. Now I'm going through free agency just as I would have if the team didn't want me back after a, after a one-year deal. All right, uh, player agent uh, in the CFL and the NFL, uh, Rob Fry. Appreciate your time. I'm wasting valuable commission time for you at this time of year. I know you got to get uh, phone calls to make. I appreciate you taking some time out to talk to us on the Elks this week. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me on, and we'll we'll definitely stay in touch.